This week's episode is brought to you by Dream Factory. This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Eric Barnes and Jack Frew. Hello, and welcome to episode number 11 of the Laravel News Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Frew, here with... I'm Eric Barnes. This week's episode is sponsored by Dream Factory. Thanks, Dream Factory, for being a sponsor. We'll talk more about them in a little bit. This week in the news, we have Taylor has announced that Spark will not be free. Uh, there is a uproar against Mandrill for making some changes to its transactional mail service. Eric launched a new website called .dev that he's going to tell us about. Uh, Eric talks about his experiences installing MariaDB and why he switched. And we have an interview with Sean McCool. This week's episode is brought to you by Dream Factory. Dream Factory is an open source REST API automation platform for mobile, Internet of Things, and web applications. Built on the Laravel framework, Dream Factory automatically creates REST APIs for SQL, NoSQL, file storage, email, and push notifications. Dream Factory offers free package installers for most major cloud services and runtime downloads for dedicated servers. Take it for a spin in their free hosted environment and see why Dream Factory is the smartest and most powerful approach to API automation. More information is available at dreamfactory.com. That's D-R-E-A-M-F-A-C-T-O-R-Y.com. Eric, want to tell us a little bit about Spark? Yeah, so I, today's Friday. Yesterday, Taylor announced on Twitter that uh, the next version of Spark will not be free. It'll be a... Um, he, he didn't list any pricing or anything like that, but basically his theory is he spent the last, you know, eight months or nine months rebuilding it from scratch to have all this new stuff. And um, so he's going to, he's going to actually make it uh, a paid, a paid app and, but it'll still install, you know, right into Laravel like it originally would. And um, the feedback has actually been pretty positive. Um, there have been a few outliers who were complaining and saying that it should have never been free in the first place. And he's just doing it for marketing and all this, but um you know, for me, I think it's it's a wise decision on him. Um, I actually wish the first one would have been paid because I was like, you know, this thing is so good and so useful that uh, it's worth paying for. Are you talking about like the beta of Spark? Right. Yeah. The well, I guess it was technically an alpha that he announced at Laracon last year. Yeah. Um, I used it a little bit. Uh, we we actually it it wouldn't fit exactly into uh, what what we're doing at work, but I used a lot of it to kind of guide and shape what I was building. Um, for a whole like order system, so it's I've had I've had a lot of good use out of it so far, just out of the 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 alpha version. Ah, oh, that's great. I've been kind of sitting on the sideline waiting for it to kind of come out as the like official sanctioned release, like it's ready to use now. I did see a tweet from him that said that he was going to charge. It was going to be a one time charge, not a monthly, and that it would be a hundred dollars or less. Did you see that one? I didn't, but I did see where it was going to be a a one time charge for each major release. Yeah, so. He's going to charge uh, anywhere between $1 and $100. I would guess he'll be on the higher end of that, but I don't I don't really know. And then he did say something about you'd get it for that version. So it sounds like he almost plans on maybe doing a, you know, uh, I mean, we're just speculating, right? But maybe an annual release cycle where he's going to, mm -hmm. you know, come out with another update somewhere down the line that he would then charge some kind of update fee for or something. So, um Right. And and two, you know, the new version is actually going to support Braintree. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with no. them or not, but so Braintree is 
so you know you have Stripe already that it's supporting, and Stripe handles the recurring subscriptions and all that. So Braintree is a service that he can tap into or you can tap into through their API, and it supports uh, credit cards, um, probably Stripe and uh, PayPal, and there's like three or four other ones. So by integrating that, it now comes with all these other payment gateways that it never had before. Oh, neat. So that's so, uh, that's another payment system. It's not just a reporting system, right? Right. Yeah. It's it's basically a, another payment system, you know. Okay. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I think overall the response has been positive. Uh, and if you hadn't heard it, yep, it's going to be hundred bucks or less. And it sounds like it'd be a one-off kind of thing that you then own that version forever kind of thing. So I guess maybe kind of like the way JetBrains used to work with uh, PHP Storm, right? So, by the way, mm-hmm. I, did you see PHP Storm uh, EAP 11 came out last I, week? I've seen the announcement, but I didn't, I haven't updated or anything yet. I haven't either. I got burned by an early EAP, like maybe back in the one or two days. So I, I just kind of stick to the release versions. Yeah. They work fine for me. So I don't, I don't need the new stuff, uh, you know, totally cutting edge. Uh, I suppose if they ever came out with something that I was like, I have to have that, then maybe I'd try it. But, you know, I'm content to wait yeah. until it releases. That's, that's the way I am. I, I did the, um, <clears throat> I think it was the version nine EAP or something, somewhere in there. And it all it all worked fine, but it ended up just being like, well, I don't really need any of this new stuff, so I, I'm just going to stick with stable until it's, yeah. it's uh, official and then switch switch everything over then. Hey, one more thing that was not on our agenda. Did you see that there's a new version of uh, Homestead? I did, yes. That came out. That came out yesterday too. I believe. It's been a busy. And, it's been a busy week. Yeah, and so that one came out, and it added uh, the official PPAs from, I guess, Ubuntu or whoever, hmm. with the PHP seven, and then it added in some other stuff like Mcrypt and some other extensions that people need, you know, when they're running other apps and so forth. Yeah, you know, things that Laravel doesn't need specifically, but other apps that you run on Homestead might need. Yeah, so I'm gonna have to upgrade mine again. I figure if I do enough of these, it'll get to be uh, second nature and I won't be so afraid of making those changes, you know? Yeah. Um, I think I'm still on like an older one. I, I haven't even checked lately. Well, you know, it, it, the thing is, is it's costly to make these changes, right? It's uh, It takes some time and if, if everything goes great, perfect. But if it doesn't, then, you know, you're out, you know, potentially a half a day of uh, time trying to tinker with it. And uh, I don't know about you, Eric, but I, um, I swear. Uh, well, so first of all, there's a reference to the movie Up. Have your kids seen this movie? It's a Pixar movie. I've heard of it. I'm pretty sure we've seen it. Is that the one with the hot air balloon? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we watched it. One of the characters in the movie is a dog who uh, apparently is a talking dog, but apparently every once in a while he'll see a squirrel and he gets completely sidetracked. So, um, you know, everywhere you work, you end up getting these little kind of insider jokes with your coworkers. And one of my old uh, coworkers, the inside joke was always this, you know, we'd be doing something to be like squirrel, you know, you'd see something to take you off. And I get sidetracked by that stuff all the time. You know, you're, you're, you're going to do some Laravel development. And you go to open up SQL Pro, and all of a sudden it's like there's an update for SQL Pro. And before you know it, you're on like their website reading what's new. And then you're like, well, I should see if PHP Storm's got an update an hour later, and you haven't coded a single thing. At least that's me, right? So, yes. uh, so I look at these. Um, I'm glad that uh, that Homestead got updated. The big update for me in Homestead happened with the last release when they added debugging support back in. Uh, I think that's kind of key for me to be able to kind of understand a little bit of what's going on with some of this stuff. So that that was helpful. Uh, anyway, I didn't mean to uh, didn't mean to derail us. So we talked about Spark. Next topic this week is Mailchimp owned this service called Mandrill, and they announced that they were. I, I you know, what, what? How did you interpret that? Did you interpret that they're shutting it down? Yeah, the the way it was is you had to have a paid Mailchimp account 
to keep continue using Mandrill. And so I'm not real sure from what I've read, the only thing really changing is that there's different terms of terms of service. And with the MailChimp account, I think it's at a minimum of like $10 a month, but I'm not, I'm not 100% sure on everything. It, you know, their, their initial announcement, I don't think was uh, clear and that caused the, uh, the uprising. Oh, at I least see. that's my opinion on it. I read, um, I read the article that they had about it and it looked like, you know, they, they, the way that they stated it was, uh, you know, it's, it's similar to the spark thing. I think in a sense, like, Hey, we started this as a kind of an experiment a few years ago and we've put a lot of time and energy into it. And this is kind of what we've decided we're going to do with it now. Um, you know, just like Taylor started Spark, I don't know if you, if, if you were at, well, you, Eric, were at this, but a lot of our listeners, because we have more listeners than people that attended Laricon. So if you, uh, let me just tell you, if you're listening, what happened at Laricon last year, Taylor announced this thing called Spark at Laricon. Uh, it really was something that he had really just recently started working on. I think he had, what, six weeks into it maybe at the time, mm-hmm. you know, and I think at that time he was thinking, you know, maybe I'll have it done by Laricon or maybe I'll take a few more weeks. And, and as we know, it, it's, it's been quite a bit of time since Laricon and it's, it's grown into something quite a bit bigger, right? So start with an idea and it, it morphs. So anyway, with this, um, with this Mandrill thing, what I read into it was, you know, they don't want to really be in that business. They see MailChimp as their primary business. They're going to move it over to MailChimp. They're going to, at some point, kind of change it. Like, I got hints that they were going to continue to make changes and, and, and change the name of it and, and a bunch of other things like MailChimp Transactional, whatever they're going to call it. Um, it, it, it certainly caused a lot of people to get really upset. And that's the only thing I guess I don't really understand is like, you know, like, hey, I showed up every week here and I got something for free. And now you're telling me I can't get my free stuff anymore. Like, this is horrible, right? Like, uh, I, you know, it's, it's kind of, I don't know. I, I, I feel like when, you know, like, the, the, I've always had this theory. People think they want stuff for free. You don't want things for free. You want things at the lowest long-term sustainable cost, right? So if Mandrill would have been two bucks and they could have done that forever, then you would have been better off paying two bucks for Mandrill than getting it for free. Because when you get it for free, what happens? Two years later, they say, oh, we can't really keep doing this, right? So right. Um, so that's kind of, I guess, where I'm coming from. And and I uh, I guess I understand their their business decision to do it. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know. It's There's probably a lot harder things to change in a system than your mail provider would be my guess, hopefully. Well, from what I understand, though, Mandrill did um, some a lot of stuff with templates. Like you could go into oh, Mandrill itself and okay. like create all these templates and things like that. I see. Um, so that's where a lot of uh, developers were upset because it was only, oh. they only get they're only given like I don't two know months, something think, short, right? yeah, yeah, so. like two months to change everything, and then if you have or you know in two months we're swapping it over or whatever. So they, you know, if they have all these templates defined and all this other stuff, then that's going to be a big pain yeah. and, you know, cause everybody to drop what they're doing and, and convert it. But today, I think I was reading where you can actually have a MailChimp account for $10 a month, the smallest one, and then you can still keep your, the Mandrill side of it and still continue to bulk, bulk mail out. That's how so I interpreted it from the beginning. A, so, okay. Um, so see, I'm not real sure, but. And, and one example, too, is Campaign Monitor. Have you ever used them? I they, haven't. I've heard about them, though. Yeah, they. I used to do my newsletter through them, and, and they were really good. But they, they have the transactional emails right inside of, of their whole interface and everything. So you sure. can use, like, the template builders and all that. So maybe that's where they're trying to transition. I, I can see that being it. Yeah, if, you that weren't, if you weren't using Blade templates and just using Mandrill as essentially a plug-in SMTP server, um, 
then yeah, I guess I could see that would be like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do, right? Yeah, for sure. All right, so what do we got next up? Well, I, I hear that there's a particular uh, celebrity within the Laravel community that might have, uh, might have launched a new website. Uh, do you know anything about that? Yes, a little bit. <laughs> so I, I launched, well, I've actually been working on this project for, oh gosh, I guess six months now, trying to get it all together and, and get it published out. But I, I launched a new site called .dev, .dev, D-O-T-D-E-V .co. And uh, the name comes from basically when I'm working locally, I always use the, uh, the top level domain of .dev. Um, so, you know, it's whatever site.dev colon, you know, 8,000 or whatever for my ports. Okay. Um, so that's kind of where the, the, uh, the idea of the name come from. And what I want to do with it is just kind of write. Um, there have been a lot of times where I've wanted to write about stuff that's kind of not technically Laravel and doesn't really fit on Laravel News, but I don't really want to put it on my, on, you know, my personal site or anything like that. Sure. So I wanted to have like a, a more of a generic developer-oriented website to where I could uh, uh, put like tutorials and write reviews on things. And then um, I'm wanting to do, once a month, I'm wanting to do like a curated playlist of, of music. Um, you know, some just kind of fun stuff that I think developers would find interesting yeah i saw that no. post about the music and uh it was uh it was interesting to me because it was like instrumentals right which is something i wouldn't mind uh having in the background but anyway yeah i look forward to checking that that list out and adding some of those things to my uh to my playlist yeah so anyway I, by the way i gotta tell you really love the uh the styling and the icon it's like so it's so simple but it's like like i don't know kind of reminds me of like ableton live or like uh, ikea or something like there's just a certain kind of quality about the way it was done did you uh, did you have somebody help you with the design on that website, or did you do it yourself? Yeah, well, the um, the branding was uh, done by Zangle Corp. Okay, um, they're kind of big in the Laravel and the craft community, and um, Jesse Shutt. I don't know if you know him, but he he works there, so I've been friends with him for a while, and I basically got in touch with them, you know, as far as doing the logos and all that, and then it ended up we kind of moved over into designing the whole site, but. Um, my original plans changed, so for what what I have now is actually a WordPress theme that I found and bought and put the branding on it. Oh, nice! Um, so I got the other in my um, on my desktop, ready to switch over if I ever get to that point. So what what do you think is going to be the is the theme like a stopgap for you then, or is the theme like you ended up liking the theme better, or um, it just it actually ended up getting down to time. I was like, okay. well, I'm just tired of of waiting around and and trying to uh, get all this together so i just wanted to to, to get to it deploy done. it yeah, yeah. you know uh, you get to a point where it's like well i just i just want to be you know i want to push it out there and for see sure how it, for see sure. how it goes and get some feedback and, uh, i've and read all that i've read plenty of posts i think uh ian you're you know the the, the founder of userscape has, has talked about it too like the whole idea of if you're not embarrassed by your first release then you you ship too late kind of thing right um right. you could always wait forever right so yes um and then interestingly, uh, I did a I did a voice. Uh, I don't know what you would call. It. I guess I did a reading for this new service called Reader Listen, and mm -hmm. uh, and Jesse's article was the one I read. Oh, nice! So you can listen to uh, you can listen to yours truly talk about Jesse's article, which uh, you know uh, is probably probably ten times more boring if I read it to you than if somebody else does. But <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, funny. Yes. Yeah. Well, see, this project, the .dev, it was actually going to be a a like a digital 
my original goal was a digital developer magazine. Okay. You know, it would come out monthly and have, have some articles and things like that. But basically, I just couldn't get enough content out. And I couldn't uh, put aside enough time each month. You it, know, I didn't, I didn't want to take that burden on. Right. Um, so that's why I released it the way I did. Anything else to talk about with .dev? Because you did something else this week I really want to hear about. What was that? That that Maria DB thing. Oh yeah. So so I I, um, I guess that was two weeks ago. So I, I I spun up a new Forge server, and I did like the lowest, the smallest DigitalOcean box. Like the five dollar one, right? Yeah. Well, no, actually, I, I I went with the ten dollar one. I do remember that now. Oh man, he's he's like he's like a big spender here, you know. Yeah, the one gig. So then, I, so I fired it up, and then I installed uh, WordPress on it. Okay. And that was it. Nothing else. It had no traffic. And it was like half of the, no, more than half. It was like almost all the memory was taken up by MySQL for some really? reason. Really? And I was like, why is this? Um, so then I I left it for like a day or two and then I, and it stayed up there. So then I came back and uh, just dropped the box totally and spun up a two gig one for the $20. And it did the same thing, but it didn't take up all the memory. It took up like one gig of memory, my SQL. And I was like, why is it doing this? And I, I never did figure it out. Um, I'm not a big server guy. So yeah. I just, uh, somebody told me that, that Maria, is it Maria or Maria, Maria? Uh, it, I, I know I've said it wrong ever since then, but it's the, it's the one where they took a fork of the MySQL code, right? Isn't that what they did? Right. So it's, it, 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 if you went back in history, it's exactly the same thing, but then they've kind of branched off. MySQL is technically maintained by Oracle now, right? Because they didn't Oracle mm-hmm. buy the rights of that. And, and now this this is really probably the more true open source one at this point. Right, um, yeah. But is is memory footprint better with the new one? Yeah, it was tremendously better. and But everything was the same. I mean, really, I can connect through SQL Pro. I can do, you can do everything the same that you can do in MySQL. So right now, it's just kind of a one, one-to-one Um compatibility compatibility like just kind of a which, drop-in replacement then right yeah i think they'll probably you know they'll diverge over time i'm sure like everything does but yeah. right now it's it's uh pretty simple to switch i, so I it, might have to it check it uh, how, so when you installed it is it just like a, a command a terminal command that you run and did you have to uninstall the other one or are they both running or um well i did the the official way by just dropping my whole entire box and then uh in forge clicking the i won't marry a db and check box and uh told it to to spin it up, so I have no idea. Okay, um, so Forge <laughs> basically has the ability to create one with Maria instead. Yes. Okay, because in the past, Forge has created what I thought, and maybe I have to go back and look at the interface, but I thought that it, it automatically was putting on uh, uh, Postgres and MySQL, like both, right? Like, which right. I always wondered, I was like, why do I need two of these running? Uh, and you're saying now there's actually an option where maybe it's not installing either of those, but it's doing the, the Maria or Maria. Um. From what I remember, one of them is the default, and then if you check it, then the other one is the other installed. One gets on and there. it might have actually swi- switched around since the sure. last time I since the last uh, time I installed it. And if you're listening to this and you're new and you don't know what the heck we're talking about, uh, Forge is a service that Taylor Otwell created that helps you build um, website. I guess the website's not the right word. Helps you build servers using platforms like DigitalOcean, which is a uh, DigitalOcean is a provider that like for five dollars a month you can get a virtual machine there, right? But what they'll do is they'll give you a virtual machine, but they won't they won't do anything with it, right? So like you have to know how to install all the software on it that you're going to use, right? So what Forge kind of does is it provisions all the software on there, and uh, it does some other management things like you can reboot your servers remotely from Forge, and you can plug in some uh, automated deployment through GitHub and things like that. 
Um, so most people I know that are in like involved with Laravel, you know, we don't mind paying for Forge. I think it's ten dollars a month or something like that, right? So, uh, so that's that part, and then uh, the database stuff. You know, hopefully, you know what we're talking about right there. So um, that sounds really interesting. You know, I, I was going to share an experience. I use that automatic backup software, mm-hmm. and uh, we talked about this a couple shows back about the the value of having a, a service as opposed to uh, you know rolling your own. And one of the reasons I really liked the idea of somebody else doing it was the idea that I would get an email when something went wrong. Well, something actually did go wrong with my backups a few weeks ago. And I got like the, the emails are usually like green and this one was red. And I was like, huh, well, that's interesting. Well, I left it for a day because, you know, things sometimes don't work. The next day it was red again, you know, uh, and after like three days of it, I was like, OK, I got to look at this thing. Well, I started looking at the email. You know what it said? So it was out of memory. Oh, and yeah. and that was on a 512 uh install you know the five dollar one at DigitalOcean. Mm-hmm. so you know i'm actually thinking that this maybe this will help you know uh now yeah. in that particular case i just went in and rebooted the server and it's been fine for you know a couple of weeks since but um interesting i think correlation there so, yeah have, have you seen um uh man i'm horrible at his name freck mers oh. <laughs> so anyway, he, he's got a new backup package he's been working on. I don't think it's released yet, but he's been kind of dropping hints about it. Yeah, we and, talked uh, about that a couple of weeks back, right? He uh, he, he mentioned well, I, doing something he, like that, you know, so. But it's not it's not launched yet, right? Well, the new one? I'll have to check up with that. I don't think it was okay. as of a couple of weeks ago, but he, what, what he had told me at the time was that he, you know, he has all these packages and that that one got worked on very early on. And it kind of did what they needed it to, and then they moved on to some other stuff. And now he's kind of cycling back to do like a version two of it. So okay. um, that'll be yeah. pretty neat. And then on the automatic side, uh, when we talked about them last, they just did backups, right? Um, they didn't do restores, but I thought I saw something somewhere that said that they now do restores as well. Okay. Um, nice. Not that, you know, and somebody listening to this, if you don't understand what we're talking about, like, uh, you know, a backup without restores, you might say, well, what, what use is that? It would create like MySQL files. You just as a, as a developer, you had to kind of know what to do with those files to get them back on your server. And, you know, you'd probably have to copy the file down and log into terminal and run a SQL command with this file as a parameter, you know, now automatic will take care of all that for you. So uh, that's pretty cool stuff. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. What I was getting to was on hit on the other package. It'll actually, then in that version two stuff I've seen him launch or announce, it's going to have uh, Slack notifications and email notifications and all that stuff. So that, that'll be nice too. Yeah. You know, so it, you'll have, you have two different ones. One, you, you still kind of handle yourself if you want to, or you can go with the, the service, you know, kind of like automatic or one of those. So speaking of uh, Slack, did you see their announcement this week that they're going to break into the audio uh, video screen sharing I heard something about that. I was, uh, I didn't read it, but I was like, I seen the headline and I was kind of internally celebrating because I'm so tired of Slack. I mean, not Slack, uh, Skype. Skype. (laughs) And the funny thing is, like, if you think about it, why are you tired of Skype? Like, Skype's never done anything wrong to me. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, you know what I mean? Like, it's, to me, it's almost like the, the Walmart phenomenon. In that, like, when you go to Walmart because you, you know, you needed to get, I don't know, you needed a new belt or you needed a pair of shoes or something, right? Like, while you're there, you pick up, like, the bag of chips because they have everything at Walmart, right? Or you pick up the the roll of tape or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, and I feel like Slack maybe is going to benefit from that because so many people love Slack and they're already in the Slack app all day long anyway. Why not mm-hmm. just, like, consolidate every, you know, all of the communication stuff to that one app, right? Right. Um, but I have to say, I don't. I don't have any ill will against Skype or, you know, any of those other kind of things. Um, but I've, I've just never been a Skype fan. I don't know. I, 
Something about it, I just don't like it. <laughs> did you? Did it? Does it have to do with them getting bought by Microsoft, or did you not like no, them before? No, I, I didn't like them before that. I've just, I'm, I'm trying to think. I, the only, I use the only time I use Skype is if I have to make a phone call, like for work related purposes. Yeah, and and then so I'll I'll load it up, make a call, and then immediately shut it down because nah, I don't even like to see the icon. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, that's funny. Yes, but now I do like that Slack. You can do so much communication through it now because before I had like you know six chat apps open on my on my computer, and I yeah. always hated that it, having all those little icons in the toolbar or whatever. Yeah. So I, I do like that I can kind of condense everything down to one one app now. Uh, yeah, I, I I those Slack people they sure are killing it, and I think that's privately held still, right? You can't buy stock I, in that I company. Believe so, right? That's yeah. too bad. Oh, I'd, I'd love to own a little piece of that. That'd yeah. be a that'd be a nice. Uh, Nice stock to yeah, own. my only complaint with Slack is really like with those real busy public channels, how it'll only keep a history of you know so long, and then it and then it's gone forever. Oh, I know, I know. I, I, I you know, there, nothing's perfect. No, no. And, and again, I didn't write it, I didn't create anything, so I'm in no position to say anything. Right? Yeah, so. I just go and go and hang out and talk to people. Yeah. We've got a special guest this week uh, who really needs no introduction, uh, but our, our guest this week is Sean McCool. And if you don't know that name, uh, then you, you might be newer to Laravel. Sean actually kicked off the original official Laravel podcast back in the early days and then, uh, and then handed that off and has kind of moved on to some other things, but is still pretty actively involved in, in Laravel. So Sean, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for uh, having me on your show, Jack. Oh, thanks for, have, uh, thanks for being on the show. It's, it's an honor. So uh, Sean, a couple of things I was hoping we could talk about today. Uh, the first of which is Laracon EU, which you are, you're like the guy, right? You're the one planning it and taking care of it and everything, right? Yeah, it's actually me and my partner. We started it uh, four years ago and we're coming up on our fifth year, I think. <laughs> um, That's amazing. Yeah, it's just the two of us, but we're working really hard every year to kind of figure out how to bring more thunder. And I think this year is going to be by far the best one. That we've done awesome so what are i know it's already kind of published and it's online it's it's lyricon.eu mm -hmm. is the website right what what are the dates for lyricon eu yeah it's going to be uh it's going to be hold on let me think yeah it's going to be the yeah lyricon eu this year is on august 23rd and 24th but we're going to release a little bit more information about workshops which will happen on the 22nd okay so it's going to end up being like a three-day workshop um and what's the cost this year? Uh, right now, the tickets are 399 euros, and that gets you into the two main days. So they're going to be uh, a lot of content. It's exciting, but we have some experiments, and we have some interesting things that we'll, we'll publish later, but it's, it's kind of in the, in the mix. I think it's, it's, everybody's going to be so happy, I think. Okay. Now, let me ask you, is it, uh, for those who don't know, your conference is a little different than the U.S. conference. They're both kind of held a little bit independently with the same kind of themes and stuff. I think last year you guys shared some of the marketing elements. Um, what what kind of things like would a, a brand new person who's never been to one of your conferences what would they expect? What should they what should they expect to get out of going to Laracon EU? So of course you know we're going to have some really good talks. We're going to have people like Taylor and talking about the state of Laravel, and we're going to have a bunch of developers come in and talk about how they use the software, tricks on and, and tips on how you can do things better. But we want to cover more ground than that even. We want to talk about the nature of software development and, and how to improve ourselves. It's, there's a really a lot to it, but I think one thing that's really important to mention is 
how important the networking social aspect is for a conference like this. So if you end up going to a conference, you can learn new things and, and you'll come back, of course, like really motivated, but you also establish relationships with other people who are doing things that are just like what you're doing. And you end up learning so much from them and you end up helping them. And it's just this incredible knowledge exchange. And to me, that is the reason I'm even doing the whole conference scene thing is because I love meeting these people and exchanging ideas. And it's probably been one of the most influential things that have, has happened to me in, in my software development career over the past five, 10 years. Sean, I couldn't agree more with you. I, I have gone to a number of conferences in my career. And one of the things that's changed for me is that I would say my first conference, my, my goals were all technical, right? It was attend every session, take notes on every session, all that kind of stuff. Um, at the bigger conferences I've been to, you know, that are like a week long, I have to admit at the end of those conferences, all that stuff, like it felt like I'd been to three sessions. I couldn't keep things you know, separated in my head. As I've gotten older, um, I've maybe become a little bit more comfortable talking to other people. And one of the best things I feel like I get out of going to these conferences now is to reconnect with individuals that maybe I've talked to on Twitter or uh, you know, on IRC or whatever. Uh, it's that face-to-face connection. Yeah, I think it's really important to, you know, of course, talk to people, um, be around people. I think participating in different aspects of the conference, if there are interactive sessions or something like that, hanging out and not going directly back to your hotel when, when you know, the sessions end, you know, just hang out. It, a lot of conferences offer, you know, drinks or whatever after the conference, just an opportunity for socialization. I think that that's all really important. And if you can, you know, try to uh, start conversations about maybe the content you just saw, because these sessions, you can get a lot of, of good information from a session, especially if the speaker really nails it and brings a lot of uh, interesting ideas. But at the same time, these are excellent conversation starters that you can use to, to talk to the people around you. Or you, if you overhear something, turn around and just make a comment. I really think it's, if you can get through that uh, initial interaction with somebody, the rewards are overwhelming. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm going to throw one more thing out there too. Uh, this wouldn't be something maybe people would normally think about. Um, sponsors are actually wonderful practice ground. Now, and the reason I say that is I, I feel like there's been enough stuff published, so I'm just going to talk about something. There's, there's two types of people in the world. There are people who are outgoing and, and, and going and walking up to a perfect stranger and interrupting their conversation means nothing to that person. They're just going to do it, and they're going to they're find a way to get themselves in there. But there's quite a lot of people, and I think programming attracts people in, in this other category, which is the introverted category, the category where you're not comfortable walking up to a crowd of people and introducing yourself or asking a question or whatever. Um, uh, one of the things that I've gotten a lot of value out in the past is talking to sponsors and, and they're all there to talk to you anyway, right? So they're kind of captive and their job is to mm-hmm. talk to you and you can make some good conversations with these folks. It does a couple of things, right? Number one, maybe it makes you feel a little bit you know, more at ease with talking to folks, right? It's easier to talk to the second person than the first person in a day, I think. If you, you, know, if you go into the conference and you're not talking to anybody, you know, go talk to a sponsor. But the other thing it does is it helps the sponsor feel good about sponsoring. And and you, most of these conferences are so expensive to run that you couldn't have them if you didn't have sponsors, right. right? So in essence, by you talking to a sponsor, you're actually kind of helping the next conference you go to because there's a good chance that that, you know, that sponsor is going to walk away feeling good 
and that they're going to sponsor again next year. Um, but I, I can say that there were there were some people, for example, like from Userscape at the Laracon US that I didn't even know who they were at the beginning of the conference. Uh, but I went by their table so many times because it was, you know, like between sessions, it's like, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. That like by the end, I felt like I could like high five like three or four of these people because I kind of felt like I knew them, right? So um, that was that was really, I think, uh, you know, a neat thing for me. Yeah. And uh, for me, like when I'm at, at Laracon, I always feel like, really excited when people come up to me and say, Hey, I just want to say hi, you know, I've, I've heard you on the podcast or something. So I just want to say, if you're interested in talking to um, me or anyone else, I think that that's going to come across a lot more positively than you might feel as a, as just a, you know, a person walking around thing. Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to bother this person because it's kind of weird that they don't know me. But I think for me, it's like, okay, I get to meet new people and yeah. this is awesome. You know? I agree. And I want to say, it, I haven't seen a lot about this lately, but for a while there was kind of this no capes movement. Yeah. And the, the word cape coming from like, you know, uh, superheroes like Superman, right. for example. Hero worship. There, there was this idea that there was this idea that if a person was on a podcast or if they were the creator of a framework or if they had written a book, that they were somehow special and different and that you shouldn't go talk to them. Right. And I don't know that I think that that's uh, one. I don't think that's true. I think they're no different than all of us. If anything, they might almost feel a little bit more isolated and unique right? and nervous because, because they stick their head out and, and people can lash exactly out right i mean yeah. if, if they say something that's controversial it's all over everything right yeah. whereas if you say something nobody nobody well you know, maybe this just means that knows. more people should should make stuff and stick their head out and, and kind of see how you know anybody can do it and and then for, maybe we have more content sure. to consume you know but well, one of the things i can definitely say uh from both my experience in going to laracon and the laravel community is that all the people I've come in contact with in Laravel have been fantastic, right? They've all been very receptive. You know, now at a conference, a few of them are going to be busy, right? Like if you're trying to get a little bit of Taylor's time on the side, uh, you know, Taylor's an awesome guy, uh, but he, he'll be busy, right? Yeah. So, you know, just just keep in mind that if, if he talks to you for a little bit and then turns away, that's not necessarily meaning that, you know, he somehow snubbed you. It just means that he's got, you know, he's got 400 people that want to talk to him, right? That kind of thing. Yeah, that's true. No, he he will be busy, but also... Taylor is just a really super nice person. I mean, he, he really is. He really is. He really is. And, and then the flip side, the, the other thing I was going to say is I've done some public speaking, not for Laravel, but in other, in other technical areas. And universally, uh, most of the people that speak, they love interaction. They want to hear people and they want to help people, right? The reason they come and speak, a lot of people, by the way, if you're not aware of this, uh, many, many conferences, it's common for speakers not to get paid, right? So a lot of times they're paying their own airfare to get there their own hotel, and, and they're doing it for a chance to get in front of people and help people, right? So there's nothing more satisfying to that speaker than if somebody comes up to them afterwards and says, I have a question, can you help me with this? And they can go home knowing that not only did they present for 300 people or 500 people or whatever, but that they literally, like they know that there's at least one person that they actually helped move forward on a project or a problem or, or answered a question for. Um, I think that's that's very valid too. So if I go to a conference to speak, it's because I want to talk about what I what I'm talking about. Like that's why I'm there. I, that's why I'm speaking on that topic. So please talk to me about that topic, or, or you know, it's it's fun. So so right now, I'm just gonna say right there, you have you have a full permission to approach either Sean McCool or Jack Frew at any conference, uh, coffee shop, you know, Wendy's, McDonald's, wherever you see us. So uh, just just saying that. So. Um, so on our next topic, Sean, there was some conversation on, on Twitter the other day, and, and I, th- I feel like it's this debate about active record and stuff like that again. What are your thoughts there? Are we starting to overbeat the drum on, on this thing? Like, are we, are we okay to talk about it? Does it make sense? Or are we, 
not you and me, to, but as a, as a as a population, as, a, as developers, like, um, are we to the point where we can maybe just let people do what they want to do, and and that's okay too? Yeah, um, the the conversation isn't really about active record. Active record is kind of like a like a focal point, like maybe even a red herring. Um, I think that there's not really a debate in general about active record versus data mapper or whatever. I I think that there's some you can easily say, um, yeah, I hear this from some people. I hear this from some people, but you know, three people tweeting to you does not the entire internet make? I mean, sure. you know, it, it, I think that it's. It's really funny that in in our social media, you can be unrelated entirely to someone through no amount of connections and still directly interact with them. And what does that mean to the communications we receive when this is like a really unnatural thing, at least for me, to if, if I get negative feedback, let me tell you how much more I care about that feedback than positive feedback. It hits me and it hurts. So every time I get negative feedback, uh, which you know it's fine to do, of course. Please feel free to criticize me, um, but it it definitely affects me very seriously. So I I might kind of get you know ideas about what is going on and how people think, but I don't think that there's an active record versus data mapper debate. Not really, because really these are just different ways of getting stuff done. What what I want to do is I want to talk about you know the the, the trade offs, engineering, etc. And I think that. You know, we're all open to this idea. Um, sure. Part of what I I personally would like to do is avoid the idea of that all design and architecture of systems is fundamentally damage done in the name of decoupling. That that to me is 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 something I would really I will stand up and fight against because I have been on a huge variety of projects. I have shipped over eighty web apps in the past you know eighteen years, and I can tell you that. What is right for one is not right for another. And, and, and some people might be in a specific kind of space where, yes, best practices do apply. But I tell you right, right now, there are spaces where best practices, I mean, you're off the map. There, there, there are sure. no best practices. And you have to figure these things out. And you have to weigh all of these pros and cons. And it's to the point where sometimes this design, this architecture is the simplest way to get this done. And when we add design, when we complicate architecture of an application, it's always should be to simplify the solution instead of to make it more complex, right? So I just want to advocate. That's, that's a great point. And I, and I want to just add on there, I think the most important thing when it comes to development, by far, the most important thing is to ship something. And if your product fails to get completed before it ships, it's like it never happened, right? It, we see this now. I work in a big Fortune 500 company, and and you know my company has had projects that didn't ship. Now that's right. Like so, you you have to ask yourself, you know, what is it that you're working on, right? In big companies, we certainly like the structure, we like the the patterns and stuff like that, right? But most, for example, a lot of I think a lot of people doing PHP work are you know a lot of them are doing side projects, and you're you're developing little ideas and stuff. You have is it better to have that idea ship? And you can see how it works versus like you're going to make the perfect program that'll be done someday, but someday never comes. Yeah, I don't. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's kind of my take on I it. I think it's important to com- compartmentalize quality and you can determine where you put that quality. So for me, I create a bunch of junky code where junky code goes. And I work very carefully on these few pieces that actually matter a lot more. And I, and I would even ask you, 
is there a difference between the most important thing is shipping versus the most important thing is not to not ship? Like, so I don't want to be in a situation where I'm not delivering, but I would argue that, that sometimes, you know, developers put out work that ultimately ends up costing more. I think software development is the most expensive thing ever, and it's really easy to just drive up the cost. You're 100% right. I suppose I should qualify that. Uh, the most important thing is shipping version one. Yeah, yeah. Getting something out there really is influential. If, if a product gets killed before version one, if your version one doesn't make it out the door, right, then, then, then it's like you've done, you've done nothing. But I agree with you. If the, the thing is, is one, let's just say the version one is awful inside. Let's say it's the worst code ever, but it gets out there and someone likes it, mm -hmm. right? You've now got some incentive, some reason to make it better on the inside, right? And, and usually with version one, you haven't done that much work where it's not that hard to refactor or to redesign or even to rebuild it from scratch, right? Um, it, 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 you know, that, that I think is probably where I was kind of coming from with this. Yeah, I have to say, I really agree. Like if I'm working on a project of mine, I just slap it together to see how it feels, to see what it works like. And then I will go and change things. But not all situations are like this. It, it's, an, it's basically a known thing that if you have to unravel a mess later, it's an order of magnitude more work than just to keep the, the everything clean the whole time. So I have to say, it's the skill and the job, the fundamental job of the developer to make these decisions in real time, taking into account as many factors as they possibly can. It's a constant trade-off. Sure. And I think it's also something that uh, I know has been talked about in other channels where the ability of a, a developer to make those trade-offs changes throughout their career, right? Somebody with 20 years of experience makes different decisions than somebody with two or three years of experience, right? Um, so, uh, well, uh, in that sense, I'm, you know, I, I, it's good to know that there aren't strong feelings about one way or the other, as far as active record goes, because I know Taylor loves active record. He's, he said it on, on record that he, he, it's the reason he, it's the, it's the reason he's programmed, right? You know, so uh, actually Taylor, he's super open. No, it's, 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 it's a great pattern and it's, it's incredibly useful. And Taylor is very open to a lot of new ideas. And we have conversations about this kind of thing. He does make a lot of jokes online because, of, of course, on, online is a very hostile environment. But Taylor, he makes a lot of jokes. I don't know if, if they always come across as jokes, but I, I see when he's joking. I get it. It's tough, too, because yeah, if you're in a case like where you used to do the podcast with him, so you've had more FaceTime with him than the average person, it's hard to do a joke in an email. It's almost impossible to do it and convey the message in 140 characters, right? Um, and, and there's always somebody out there who's going to interpret it wrong. So. Um, you know, interesting stuff, interesting stuff. Well, anyway, I'm, I'm glad we were able to touch on that because I saw some stuff on Twitter and I was like, well, this would be interesting to see what your perspective is on it. So neat stuff. One thing I did want to mention is uh, you talked about giving you bad news uh, if, if it was warranted or whatever, right? Like, you know, criticizing, yeah. right? And, and, and that I think is a, it's a topic for a whole nother episode that I'd love to have someday, which is that how people go about communicating often affects the outcome of their communication. If you've ever heard this, um, there was a, a saying once, and I don't know who said it, but it was that scientists' attitude towards their experiments have been shown to alter the outcome of their experiments. Yes, right absolutely. now, these are these are these are scientists. These are people whose profession is based on uh, rational objectivity and not being swayed. And even in that profession, we're, we're saying that someone's perspective mm -hmm. is changing the outcome of something that, yep. in theory, should not be changeable, like a chemical reaction. Right. So 
it's something to think about. And one of the things that I, uh, I've tried to do myself is they say, well, you know, if, you're, if I'm going to say something negative to you, say something nice first, right? So then you say, well, Sean, I really appreciate your perspective on this, but blah, 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 right? Well, another thing I read then said, anytime you have the word but in a sentence, think very carefully about that entire sentence Mm -hmm. and whether it's even necessary, right? You know, okay, Sean did great on this, but like, okay, is what I'm about to say, is that but worth, is it worth saying, right? It might be, it might be very important and it might be something that needs to be said, but a lot of times I find that it doesn't. And, And Sean, I'll say this, this is not just true in programming. This is certainly true in my marriage, right? Mm-hmm. It's certainly true when it comes to my kids, right? Like is is telling your wife she did a great job cooking, but the corn sucked, right? Or, or whatever, <laughs> right? Is that worth it? Or can you just leave it at, hey, this was a great meal. Thank you. You know what I mean? I, I think that the, uh, the, uh, the real question is, does she already know that the corn sucked? And <laughs> how important is it for her to know how, how sucky the corn is? Like for me in my family, I'm the cook because my wife uh, works so much more than I do. She's a very busy, very, very busy person. And uh, I cook simple foods because this is what I know. And she is a very, very well um, knowledgeable cook and everything like that. So she sometimes grins and bears it, uh, but she's always very polite. (laughs) Right. Well, and and of course, like as a person, how would you feel if every day you're cooking and and she was putting you down over it, right? Like at some point you start to resent her over it, right? And and then the other thing is if she was putting you down, there might come a point where she resents you even though you've done something, right? So I think a lot of times what we say to people maybe also then has an influence over time about how we feel about those people, right? So it's kind of, uh, it's, it's, it gets kind of like foo-foo, but it, it does, I think, in, in a sense, it makes sense to think positive thoughts yeah. and then, you know, the, the things you hear on some of these motivational, uh, you know, books and stuff like that. I think the most important thing is to realize that we are not the only source of sanity in this world. And when somebody appears to be insane, it's because they are the most sane they can be in the situation they're in. And similarly, you look insane to people because you are the sane version of the reality in which you exist. And we all fundamentally exist in different contexts. So when we interact with others, it pays to have faith that we are similarly equal individuals and I are, they are probably just as reasonable in their reality as I am in mine. Yeah, yeah. And folks, I have to tell you, when I asked Sean to come on for the uh, podcast, I did not have on my agenda to be called insane. So uh, this will be a first for me. Uh, I don't even know if my wife has called me that. So that's that's good. I I, so I was not trying to, to say that. I'm sorry. No, Jack. no, I know. Yeah, really interesting. So anyway, yeah, it would be neat to have a uh, be neat to have a topic one day where we talk in depth about some of the the techniques in terms of communication. I think that's it's something I think everybody benefits from when when they put some effort into it. And especially so, I think people dealing with clients, if you're in the kind of business where you're programming for other people for money, um, you know, telling those clients that they're wrong, it should be kind of common sense that that's not the right thing to do. Yeah, it's known in companies, yeah. And yet as a programmer, but as a programmer, you want, you, you also want to help them do the right thing, you know? And, uh, and, and I've personally found that many times if I have stopped myself from telling someone they're wrong, Within 10 minutes, I have found a way to tell them a right way to do it that does not draw attention to the fact that their way is necessarily wrong, right? Just like a, you know what I mean? Like, uh, just here's, I want to throw out a suggestion. If we were to do this, uh, it might be, uh, might, might, might serve us better down the road or whatever, right? That's a lot better than saying, well, your idea is the dumbest idea I've ever seen, right? You know, like, uh, yeah. And the more you practice actually seeking an actionable, like a positive outcome, like 
it's easy to say, oh gosh, this is my reaction and just shove it out there to the world. But right. what, what is my goal? What do I want to affect? How do I want to change things? I can change things. I know it for a fact because when I go out there and I interact with other people, they change. So right. what outcome do I want? And then the more, of course, you seek outcomes that are positive to you, the easier it becomes to have those kind of communications instead of the initial outbursts. Right. Well, Sean, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast for us. Uh, those of you who are listening to this obviously can't see Sean, but uh, it's just so you know, Sean basically has given up his, uh, his dinner hour to talk with us. And, and I can actually see that his shirt now looks like two sizes too large because he is literally withering away from not eating as we're talking. So, uh, Sean, I'm going to let you go. I appreciate you being on the podcast. I hope we can get you back again. And also, I just want to say personally, because I'm kind of newer to the Laravel community, dude, I really appreciate everything that you've done uh, to make this community what it is, uh, your early work on the podcast, your work on the Laracon EU for all these years. Uh, and, and more than anything, I appreciate the tone and stuff that's been set with Laravel and how accessible it was to me as a new person coming in kind of late in the game, right? And how I felt so welcomed in the community that you helped build. So thanks, Sean, for being on our podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much, Jack. And thank you for all the kind words. I really appreciate that. One more thing this week, uh, Eric, I saw a post from you that said something was now in beta. And I was like, how is this only in beta now? I've been using this forever. So Eric, you want to tell us what that was? Yeah. So uh, Git Composer or Composer, the uh, PHP package manager released or tagged ver beta one, I guess that was just a few days ago. And, and it's kind of mind blowing that it's it's in use by every single or well, almost every single PHP you know application and uh, it's not even in beta yet i was like but, floored by that i was like what do, you, what do you mean we're not in beta like aren't they on version like 30 of it by now like you know um yeah it just proves that uh, those numbers are arbitrary until you decide to define them i suppose that, <laughs> i suppose that's true but you know what uh kudos to that team for you know obviously they're they're whatever you want to call their software it's obviously been very stable right because you yeah. know software does not get uh does not get widespread adoption if it stinks right right so right so, I mean, I've used it. I've never had a problem with it. Millions, probably. I, I think it's safe to say, uh, you know, if not millions, hundreds of thousands must have used Composer and never, never had an issue. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, call it beta, call it alpha, you know, uh, call it a pig with lipstick. I don't care. It's, uh, you know, it's worked for me and it still works. But it, it, it was so interesting to me to see that. Uh, like, wait, I mean, what do you mean it's beta? Like, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I think I actually put in my post something about, you know, it, it reminded me of kind of the early Gmail days, you know, how it had beta oh, yeah. for like six yeah. years. Forever. Um, yeah. And, uh, but it but it was still used by everybody and nobody really had any major problems out of it. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, Compo Composer is really crazy if you think about the history of it. You know, it started, if you think back before we had Composer about how oh. bad everything was. Yeah. Um, for getting code and doing all that. And then now after it on how much nicer everything is, it's, it's, it's night and day difference. I think I've actually heard Taylor himself say things like he didn't think PHP would be where it is today if it wasn't for composer, you know, oh, yeah, I believe that, that. that, you know, uh, and, and then the other thing I think is really interesting is that, you know, so many people have said that PHP has really grown up so much in like, let's, I don't know what you said, the last three years, the last five years, like, um, mm -hmm. you know, the, the the if you looked at like php on a graph it would not be a linear progression right it would be like a bump and then kind of a flat line and then this lately we've had this kind of thing where you know it, it used to be that you know if you talk to somebody who programmed in java or c sharp or whatever it was like they looked at you as if you were you know not all there in the head if you were told them you were doing php development but i i feel like it's gotten to the point now where it's 
you know, it's it's a it's a first class citizen or pretty close to it. You know, there's probably still mm-hmm. some things you can do in Ruby that you can't do in PHP, but um, yeah, yeah, it has. I, I actually got started at I think it was PHP four point two or four point three days. You know, way back in the day, and and it's night and day difference from from way back then. It's everything is so much better. Yeah, yeah, sure is. Well, I think that's all we have this week. Anything else you can think of? Um, no, nothing I can think of. Oh, you know what I think we should talk about real quick is the results from our kind of informal poll oh, about yeah. the format of our show, right? Yeah. So it was about, was it about half and half? Half liked it, half hated it? I think it was almost exactly half and half. It was like, as I got to tell you, as, a, as somebody on a show looking for feedback, that's about the worst case scenario, right? Like <laughs> if you get like nine people that are like, I love it this way. And one person's like, I love it that way. Then you can be like, well, you know, sorry, but most people like it this way. But we, we really, it was like half and half, you know? Um, yeah. a lot of people just liked us kind of just talking and, uh, and then there were people that said, well, you know, we were, um, you know, I really liked the kind of news format and, and, and really, I don't know, it, it, you know, like a lot of it, I think too, depends on the week, right? Like this week we mm-hmm. had a lot of news to cover, so it was pretty easy to just kind of go through a bullet list and talk about each thing. Some weeks you don't. So, you know, it's easier to just chat about what's going on in life and that kind of thing. But, uh, anyway, we, thanks for everybody who gave us feedback. And if you have feedback that you didn't give us and you want to, you can you can reach me. I'm at Jack Fru, J-A-C-K-F-R-U-H, on Twitter. And uh, Eric, you're at uh, E-R-I-C-L as in Laravel, B-A-R-N-E-S. Uh, that's your Twitter sign. <laughs> and uh, yes. we, we, we still don't know what Eric's middle name is. but I, the, I, the I gave it away on the Dads in Development podcast. And I, I think, I think what I'm going to do is I, I'm not going to say it. I think uh, I think <laughs> you're going to have to go listen to that podcast. Uh, I really, by the way, Eric, I really enjoyed listening to that. Uh, it was really cool. Like you and I have talked over uh, Skype. You know, this is our 11th episode. So 11 times and maybe a couple times before that to set things up. Uh, but I, you know, I learned some things about you that I didn't know. And I, I think that that's a great podcast, uh, what they're doing there with that dads and dev, mm-hmm. dads and development. If you guys are listening to this and you're interested in Eric as a person, you want to know kind of what makes him tick. It's a great insight into Eric. And I think uh, I'm going to definitely check out some of the other episodes and just kind of see what other people talk about. Because one of the things that seemed to be a kind of common theme was uh, how people deal with having kids at home or family at home. Like, you know, because I do right. think a lot of PHP people are, are fortunate in that they work from home as opposed to having to go into some you know office and work in a cube farm every day kind of thing so um mm-hmm. anyway i thought it was pretty awesome uh you know so yeah it's good i, I liked it um i think that i, I might have been their second episode or third so they're they're just getting started um yeah so it's uh hosted by andrew del Pretty and david Hemphill. and i'm saying andrew's last name all wrong but yeah so i met both of those guys at laracon i guess two years ago or maybe three and uh, we've just kind of stayed in touch through social media over the years. But yeah, go give it a listen. Yeah. Speaking of Laracon, so that is coming up this year. Eric, do you have any advice for making the most out of a conference or anything? Or I actually enjoy the meeting the new people and making, you know, more of lifelong. I, I won't say they're, they're like best friends, but, you know, you make friends at these that, you know, you can bounce ideas off of the rest of, you know, your development career. So that's the part I really like about it. I get more of the people I meet than of the conference itself. I, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, we don't have a release date for spark, but, uh, hopefully I, 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 I will soon. bet next week. You're betting next week. I'll bet next week. You Is want, this... you want to make a, we'll make a bet. I don't know. Cause I feel like you might have insider information. Uh, actually, no, I, let me, let me look at the calendar. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, uh, March 8th. March 8th. We know we won't do it at the end of the day. And uh, we know we won't do it at the end of a week. Right? So it's got to be an early 
early thing. Um, I will find out more. Uh, you know what's? Uh, I I haven't seen this, but what I'm kind of excited about. I wonder if they'll do a workshop about it. That would be fantastic because uh, you know this year's conference they're doing two day conference, but they're doing workshops the day before. Man, oh man! If there was like a here is a two hour hands on like you know deep dive into how to use Spark and like put that in you know put that plumbing into your epic like to me that would that would pay for the cost of Spark, the cost of my trip, the cost of the hotel, and the cost of the conference all put together, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, so many times with this technology, like you look at something and you're like, do you ever have like technology that you put in your to do list? This someday list, like, oh, that looks neat. Someday I'll look at that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, like taking someday into today is so valuable if you can find a way to to fast track that. Yeah, that's true. So, so what what was your guess? You, you got to pick a day. I'm gonna have gonna, to bring up a calendar now. I'm, uh, this is this is like the Price is Right. Can I pick the eighth? Yeah, I'll I'll take the seventh. <laughs> no, no, it's gonna be the same one. I, I, I don't want to gamble you. Oh no, we can't pick the same one. It's gonna be different. I don't know. I I do feel like it's coming very soon. 7th or 8th next week. The only thing I'm thinking is like, you know, Taylor usually is really like the master at like these little kind of hints and drops mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And and there was like, didn't he do some kind of hashtag like Sparkwatch? Right, yeah. Or something. So like, I felt that was all leading up to it. But then the way he kind of was like, well, I guess today is, I guess this is as good a time as ever to tell you the Spark's not going to be free. Like that seemed to kind of like, you know, that record sound where the record needle scratches, you know, like off, like, you know, like, <laughs> like that, to me, it was kind of like, okay, well, that kind of broke up the momentum. Like, what does that mean then? Does that mean it's coming out tomorrow? Does that mean it's coming out in three weeks? But it's going to be, you know, I, I don't know. If you're going to say uh, the eighth, I don't know. I mean, like, what what are we betting on here? What What's at stake here? Like, um, pride and uh, we get to brag about it for the rest of the year. <laughs> I'll do so that. The, I'll, the, the, our intro will be changed to Eric or Jack is the champion of the world. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess I'm, if you're going to pick the eighth, I'll pick the seventh. We'll see. Oh, all right. We we will know I, by I, the next episode. I doubt it'll be the seventh. The we'll see. You know, it'll, it'll be Eric. Eric will be the winner. I'm gonna well, I'm gonna call uh, Susie uh, right now and have her do a new intro for us i I should say that uh the rules are kind of like price is right um whoever's the closest without going over so uh, well over or under see now over over. so so you you've locked yourself out now well i could say the ninth and i'd be the closest then if he doesn't release on the eighth you know yeah i don't know this feels very unfair um (laughs) like a like a no-win situation for me but that's all right hey you know uh, uh yeah so Tune in yeah. uh, in two weeks to find out more about Spark. Hopefully, hopefully, we'll have who the champion say. is. Yeah. <laughs> well, we already know Eric's going to be the champion. So Eric is our new champion. Uh, no, it's, it's like an uh, uncontested title anyway, right? Yeah. Uh, we're gonna when we get off, I'm gonna email Taylor and like send him like two hundred dollars in PayPal and say like, you got to hold this till the till the eighth. If you were planning on doing it the seventh, you hold it till the eighth. Otherwise, you, you can release it any other time you want. Well, the funny thing is, like, you, you guys can't see this because you're listening to it, but, you know, like, we're both obviously on our computers. So, like, for all I know, he's, like, he's, like, instant messaging him right now. Like, what's the date going to be? You know, I got a bet going on this, you know. So, um, well, anyway, hey, thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, and thanks for all your feedback. And we hope that uh, the show is living up to your expectations. And if it isn't, let us know. And, you know, we'll, we'll look forward to talking to you again in two weeks. Yeah, appreciate it. Everybody have a great week. And be sure to check out .dev.co. So D-O-T-D-E-V.co. Yeah, it'll be in the show notes, yeah. And also our sponsor, Dream Factory. Thanks again, Dream Factory, for being a sponsor. And uh, 
Thanks again for listening. This concludes this episode of the Laravel News Podcast. If you like the show, please rate it five stars on iTunes. If you have feedback for the podcast, please email us at podcast at laravel-news.com. Thanks for listening.